Alright, welcome to another episode of Getting Your Life Back with me. I feel weird always having to say my name. It's on it's on my what are you laughing at? Um, say my name. Kate Cooper. Thank you. Um, as you can see, uh, if you can see this here, this is Slappy. He's joining us. <laughs> Slappy is a uh, character from Goosebumps. I wanted to show off my artistic abilities. Um, my son does not appreciate Slappy because I would p position Slappy in his room to where Slappy would look at him and he'd say, Slappy's looking at me! <laughs> so, Slappy usually resides in, uh, you know, the kitchen. But... This is, you can probably tell, a Cooper. This is number five of five. I'm three. Um, episode six was uh, number four, Clay. This is Kip. So I have invited Slappy. And as you can see, he's looking at Kip. It's quite terrifying. So, oh, this should be fun. This should be fun. You know, <laughs> when I had decided to do this YouTube channel podcast campaign I, I you know i i believe kip thought it was a joke no no he did and like he <laughs> hadn't seen my videos for quite some time and it's often been the cause of great sorrow to me that my own blood <laughs> has not even been invested in this but you know he's come around and wanted to be a part of it and i've, I've long known that kip was going to be a part of it um i mentioned you know the last episode um, that I shot with uh, Johnny Munoz. Now, all I've done is film more people so far, but we're wonderful people, you know. So, I, I, the next few, I'm, I need to bring some girls on because we really need. We don't know what we're talking about too much, and yeah. women tend to. So, but we'll start with Kip. So, Kip is the middle of or the the bottom of five boys. Kip, what was it like growing up in our house for you? Easy. <laughs> Um, the close me and Clay, there's a seven year difference between me and Clay. Um, Clay cried when I, you guys told me that Clay cried when he found out I was going to be born, which I enjoyed. Was upset. <laughs> um, by that point, I think, um, I think our parents had figured it out how to raise me. Um, I was actually more homebody. I really enjoyed just being home versus going to school and seeing my friends. I used to make up excuses to not go out with them and tell my mom that not to let me. <laughs> it's because I enjoyed being home. Kip, Kip, part of the reason Kip enjoyed being home is he was entitled, <laughs> you know, spoiled. He had a completely different upbringing than us. My parents, very different. <laughs> you know, having five sons that all have differing levels of addictive tendencies, my parents, bless their sweethearts, if they could have given us the world, they probably would have, and it would have been good for us. Well, Kip got the world in the form of four older brothers and my parents buying him stuff all the time so <laughs> i got i got a whole bit a little bit teased growing up but that was my rat and clay but i always loved when kate came home <laughs> yeah. then i could be the absolute monster that clay and that's all i wanted to be because i knew i was protected yeah. i don't know <laughs> if i could still protect you from clay but i don't think anybody's gonna from did. clay <laughs> i did at one point when Kip was born, he had an abnormality. Um, obviously, he's got one up here we're still working on. But he had another one, not the bald, the, oh, oh, the yeah. brain. Oh, yeah. Something's off. What else was wrong with you? <laughs> um, I was born with a club foot. Um, a lot of people actually don't know what that is. They think it was just like 
you beat someone over the head with a kind of club. But <laughs> I was born with my foot crooked on the inside. And um, <laughs> uh, what's become now a term of endearment, as my dad would call it, it's, like, it's just so crooked. <laughs> but uh, they straightened it out when I was a baby. Um, never really gave me problems until I got older. And now it's pain. What's it like living with your foot like that? It's been 10 years. 10 years now of living in chronic pain. Um, I'm the biggest wuss when it comes to anything pain anywhere else in the body. Um, <laughs> but I've come to appreciate it. Um, Why? I just enjoy feeling now, honestly. Um, I had a moment last week where I was, I couldn't sleep. I had been struggling to sleep for quite a few days. And I finally got down, I said a prayer, and my pain set in where I could just feel it. And with my pain at night, I know my pain comes that I'm gonna be able to sleep well because that means my foot's tired, I'm tired, and I can feel it. And that's exactly what happened is I slept great. I've never been so thankful for pain. Well, as you'll learn now, Kip might have a low physical pain tolerance, but he's got an incredibly high mental pain tolerance, and we'll talk more about that. I talked a lot about in my story the passing of my father, you know, and as I've, I've observed, we all kind of went crazy in our own way. I went absolutely yeah. crazy, um, uh, you know, and really it was not knowing how to process the, the, the loss of, of, you know, our security, our hero, you know everything else he was uh, you know as i've observed through the years i think the pronounced or lingering effects it probably hit the two the hardest and maybe i shouldn't speak for everyone but particularly my mother obviously who you know by the way like when my dad was dying you know a lot of a lot of oh. people would be like hey you need a date and be happy well no he didn't say that <laughs> he he was very selfish he he said if any slick haired hanks come around um you boys take care of him this is my black haired beauty so for any of you slick-haired Hanks, if you come around, there's five of us, so good luck. Good luck. She has not dated since, oh, on her own accord, her choice, because mm -hmm. she wanted to be with my dad. So uh, I digress, but I think for her and then for Kip, it's probably had the longest effects. As I've talked about with trauma, the younger the age, the more pronounced it tends to have. So Kip, you were how old? Uh, when, dad, when Dad died, I was 18. Okay. Um, when he first got sick, I was 15. Okay, what was that like? <laughs> that that summer was just surreal in itself. I, um, <laughs> I just got a patriarchal blessing, and I thought everything was gonna be normal. I was going to start sophomore year this of high is, school. Oh, this year fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. Sophomore year of high school, and uh, that's when we found out our dad got life lighted, and and the whole dynamic changed. Uh, I've never been in anything like that. Suddenly, my mom had a uh, was living in Hurricane in St. George with him, the hospital. And I was home. Yeah, I was home with our oldest brother, Cole, and uh, second oldest brother, Rhett. And it kind of... Cole was in Texas. Cole was there, too. Well, he came back for that summer. And he was, for quite a few months, he lived with us. Um, I was in Texas. You were in Texas. But Rhett, Rhett really... Uh, really became more of a father figure to me in those months. He kind of 
took the wheel and uh, he taught me how to drive. No wonder I'm not that good at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he, I don't know. He always knew when I was super stressed or super worried, he would just grab me and just we would go out for drives. But I, I really didn't know how to handle anything that's going on in my life. I just assumed, I always assumed our family, nothing bad would ever happen to us. We were that typical, normal family, really happy family. I just assumed, no, nothing. I knew nothing of financial struggles our family was struggling with or anything of that nature. And now I look back and I think, wow, here, here. Because really, the brothers were supporting him. Really, really dumb. <laughs> really, we were really struggling. Um, but I, it, hold, it just changed. It just really changed. And I didn't know how to handle it. So how did you handle it? <clears throat> I I stuck to what I thought would work, which would end up being pornography. Um, anything that I found out one time that it just it numbed it numbed it. I didn't need to feel I could go to school and I could focus and try to try to get good grades and try to be good and try to make Dad proud in the way I thought that he wanted, which was play basketball and uh, get good grades and just I knew he loved me. Um, but it, it got out of hand. It got out of hand quick. It was, as very quickly I realized that I'm exactly like Cade and, and Clay and all of us when it comes to the addictive behavior. I, it hit fast. It hit hard. And mm -hmm. I don't think I was a day, there wasn't a day that I wasn't doing it. <laughs> I, th I think Clay has the, the least pronounced of any yeah. addictive. I don't know if Clay has much addictive behavior, but Clay does either. What did I you say that because he's the one who's been on here. Yeah, he'll like that. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, Take that, Clay. <laughs> wow, this is going to be fun. Just wait until we do one with all five of us. We will. We'll do it in birth order. And you'll see me as the middle child, the extreme neglect. Extreme <laughs> neglect. Extreme neglect. You know, one, it's like, oh, we got to take care of him. Two's like, we got to make okay. up for when where we did with one. I can't fire. Three's like, we screwed up just you know pray to god and hope four is learns from three and is just wonderful let him do whatever he wants and five is don't do anything leave him alone he can do whatever he wants so my mom used to always bring go get treats for us and she would always buy me two just freaking <laughs> just to hide she's like go hide this in your room she played hey, baseball she, she still does the baby's the baby <laughs> You know, I will do a separate episode on pornography. And um, first of all, Kip, how, how old are you now? I'm 28. 28 now. So you're coming on here, and who knows how far and why this is going to circulate, but it's it's definitely circulating. We all know the stigma behind pornography. Why come on in public to the world and talk about it? It's an issue. It is. Anything that, like, I understand with any kind of substance or whatever you want to call anybody, anyone does. Some people, everybody's different. But for me, it wasn't, I didn't do it because it was fun. I didn't do it because it was in that nature. I did it because it was an escape. I didn't want to be part of what was happening. That's why I did it. It was not to feel the pleasure of it. It was not to do anything. It, was, it took me years to realize this and really be like, okay. This is why I hate it, because it would just take away that feeling, which it never really did. 
that feeling hit harder after every time. And that's why you had to continue doing it. And then you find you keep doing it more and more and more and more and more trying to get that, well, you know what the addicts call the chase. We try to chase that same high that first time gave us and never really getting it. You know, pornography is especially powerful and regardless of your moral or ethical beliefs on it, the science is absolutely damning what it does to your brain. But as far as an addictive or a coping mechanism, as a man especially, the moment you turn on that screen and you see that image, what happens to everything else? Nothing. It's not there. It's gone. Just completely. Completely gone. It offers an immediate release from any reality, and you find yourself submerged in a world that doesn't exist. How long? You know, I and mean, Kip's funny. Like, I swear we didn't know much about Kip's life. <laughs> He just was little and would sit and listen and just laugh at everything. I was always a quiet one. And like I'd ask him about his life. I think one time we were heading to Hurricane and like with my mom and he was talking about his school dances and in middle and it was just phenomenal. And I was getting ready, I was getting ready to go on my mission. I'm like I'm learning about Kip's life. But Kip called. Want to go there? He, well, Kip called me one night. How long? 18 Almost 19 months ago? Almost 19 months ago. I, I had been struggling extremely hard for a very long time. Probably since I was, got off my mission at 19. And this particular night, about 19 months ago, it, I had just used, I had just tried to escape and it didn't work. I didn't feel better. I felt worse. In fact, it felt, it felt like a massive pounding on my chest of just awful, just pressure. And I went over, we were going to a friend's house, me and a bunch of my friends. They're awesome. Um, <laughs> big part of why I have survived what I have. Um, but we went over to friends to watch a movie and I sat there and I couldn't do it. I, I could not shake that awful feeling. It would not go away. And I did what, for the first time in a long time, I felt prompted. And I knew who I had to call. And I had to call Cade. I knew the one person who I was the most like in our family, and we've always been told that we are the most like. <laughs> um, I needed to call him, and I did. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've done. <laughs> it was just telling him. Everything. I told him about my addiction. I told him about all the problems. I, I cried for I don't know how long. <laughs> solid, solid two hours, probably, of just crying. Why was that hard? Funny, pornography and addiction, the power of it comes from us being alone. It's when we're alone, that's when it has control. And we worry that whoever we tell is going to shame us and going to judge us for what we're doing and that, you know, we have this image of ourselves that we put out there that it's this perfect being, this is who I am. And mine was always that I was the youngest. I was, I own, I got told by all the brothers I love and death that I was the best of us at times. And that would weigh on me when I would think about, well, I'm struggling just as bad. They don't know though, which obviously they did know because they're my Ours brothers. Ours were a little more public. Yeah. Mine was a little more hard to hide. 
Um, but it was the initial fear of being like, well, this is really what I, who I am, and I'm really struggling telling them that I didn't want to ruin that expectation that was I placed there, that they did not. It was me who placed it, um, which is so stupid <laughs> because what happened came. Well, we, we, you know, together with God and him and a friend of mine set him on a course now that we'll, we'll talk about, but Kip's single, correct? Yes. Incredibly so. There's a plug. And how old are you? <laughs> now I know why. 28. You want, now I know why. This is why I'm really on. on here. You don't know that, but hey. <laughs> so you're getting on talking about being eight years addicted to something that causes women eight just years. to run and, and we're, we're looking at more like 18 okay 18 years <laughs> come out. so you're getting on and you're you're saying this and at the same time you're you're hoping you can find your spouse and no doubt she's going to see this why do you do it and how do you dare do it i do it because the truth is what's important i do it because i am finally in a spot in my life where i'm happy with myself that's years in the making. That's, I'm happy with who I am, and I'm proud of being an addict. I'm proud of what I've experienced. If it wasn't for what I've experienced and the trauma that I have, and no matter what it is, you know, dad dying, um, the pain, any of it, I wouldn't be who I am. So all these years in your, your addiction, did you know any other way? No, I didn't. You probably did the best you could with the knowledge you had. I definitely did the best I could with the knowledge I had. You know, th this addiction in particular, and I've, I've been addicted to pornography. It's been quite a while since it was an addiction for me, but it, it certainly for a long time I was as well. You know, in and of itself, it's, it's a tough one, right? And I work with a lot of people. I work with women who have had their lives devastated by the effects of pornography. I work with guys that are trying to get clean from pornography in all different age ranges. Drugs, getting clean from drugs, you know, getting clean was hard. Staying clean off drugs for me is not hard, but it's because I'm consistent in certain things I do. But at my very core, God did not create me to want to use drugs. But God gave me sexual impulses and desires, and they don't ever fully go away. And they're not meant to. In fact, mine have been, you know, lessening. So I have pellets, testosterone pellets in my butt as we speak because my <laughs> testosterone is low. So I will probably will self-quarantine for a month and a half once they kick in from all women. Cause first first thing you told me when I walked in. <laughs> well... It's funny when I'm when I'm meeting with them. I'm like I'm worried about my libido, and they're like, I'm like not like everyone else. I'm worried it will raise my libido. It doesn't need to be raised. I'm I'm like LeBron James. I'm on load management. All right, I'm saving up for the playoffs. So we did digress a little more, but this never is meant to be taken away, and it's 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 you know at its core it's beautiful. But Satan works in secrecy and he works in lies. Yeah. You know, he has, I've talked about his two great commandments. The first is be ashamed and the second is run and hide. And this addiction in particular has so much shame attached with it that people will destroy their lives and the lives of their loved ones and everyone else for fear of what will happen if they come, th come open. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. 
if you're struggling oh. with pornography addiction. There's nothing wrong, mm -hmm. you know. For me, if, if, if you take 10 people and you give them all uh, a pain, uh, you know, a Lortab or an opiate medication, statistically eight out of 10 will, you know, it'll ease their physical symptoms, but they'll get a stomach ache and uh, thank goodness when it comes to Lortab, that's how I am, and they won't like it that well. Well, two out of 10 will feel uh, a feeling of euphoria. They'll have pain minimized, everything. Is there a moral failure there? No, it's just your chemistry. But once you learn how to get better, because there is a way to get better, you know, Kip's going on 19 months in a few days next, next. No freebies. And then I'll, I'll hit three and a half years of, of complete you know, sobriety here next month. Once you learn to get better, that's on you. That's on you to get better. So talk to us a little bit about this recovery, what it was like, and, and what you learned your true problems were. Was your, were your problems pornography? No, no, yeah. not at all. My problems were not pornography. Problems was, it was trauma. It was a lot of trauma from growing up. It was, we always called ourselves the home team. Uh, me and Rhett and mom and dad. Mainly because we were the ones at home. Yeah, you didn't know that. We called ourselves the home no, team. See another Brett still calls us the home another team. Another middle child neg neg neglect. And neglect. I mean, right there's there. more trauma surfacing with me. I truly understood. Honestly, it was just hard. Um, watching dad and having hope that, you know, not having hope, I always just felt he'd be okay. It was always never a question to me. It was when I was in high school, you know, even when he was really sick times, he was, I was like, you know, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. He'll be okay. Um, and then I was with him uh, about 10 years ago when they told him he was going to die. That was the hardest moment of my life, by far. Um, but my dad's reaction to it is why it is also one of the best moments of my life. He, and this is where I would say my testimony personally started, is in this moment. Um, they told me he was about, to, he was gonna, had two to six months to live and he was going to die. And my dad's response to them was, he turned to him and went, Well, I know that there's nothing more than you can do, but I believe in a higher power. And if that higher power will it, I'll live. But either way, his will be done. I have never been more proud of a person in my life than that moment right there. And any time I feel that depression coming up, and two months later we did end up losing our dad. And I'm so happy we were all there. I'm happy I was with my brothers. I'm, I'm happy I had that support there. I, I still didn't know how to handle it. But I, I, I always say the, I always make the joke and I always say that I lost my dad, but I gained four more. And it's interesting because I can look at each one of my brothers and I can see a different aspect of him in each of them. And I feel him all the time now, which is great. I know people are like, you miss your dad? I'm like, no, sometimes I wish you'd leave me alone. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Um, Sometimes I'm like, I got it, Pop. 
Yeah, he's, like, a, little calm bit, down. he's a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> I need you, I need you to... Kate made one of the best comments I still think about to this day. Um, like the day after he died, we were going to church. And we decided, because we just didn't want to be in the house. So we went to state conference and we sat in the back. Because a very small community, our dad was very well known, and we just didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> so, but on the way home, Cade's like, you feel good? I'm like, I feel pretty good. Yeah. You think dad's just up there with God right now going, more comfort! More comfort! Yeah. And God's just like, let's take a step back. Yeah. Take a, John, take a step back. <laughs> more! <laughs> it got really overwhelming. It got really overwhelming. And, oh, he's still like that. Absolutely. Still feel that. Well, yeah, sorry. I digress. That was a fun story. How did being clean help you fully process dad's death, and how is it for you now? Oh, man. Being clean, wanting, the funniest thing has happened with my mentor. Um, I went from all this trauma to really finally sorting through it. You know, I, I'd seen, seen a therapist and for two years before that, and we... I dove into it and worked through it a bit, but it, it still always kind of hurt when we get there. But doing these steps, it made me grateful to feel that pain. I, I got a whole new perspective on it. I, because I have felt that trauma and felt that pain, I also know the opposite. I know what it really feels like to be happy. And I know that every time I feel depressed and down and really sad or really just despair, I know what the opposite feeling is. And that makes me more thankful to feel that way. It just, it's a little ridiculous, but uh, as I got more and more clean, I stopped wanting to numb. I got way more happy to feel it. Um, I make jokes with my... Uh, um, guys you mentor guys I mentor the, I would rather have my arm cut off and feel the pain of that than numb ever again I would rather feel pain it just is better how does Jesus Christ play in your story he's a he's a centerful story the first time I really ever felt the love of my savior was the night my oh, it was many times before this was the most prominent it was the night dad died I was on the couch downstairs and I was watching a TV show just an old cartoon because that's felt like I wanted to do it was the first time I felt his arms around me and I felt love and I knew that I'd be able to sleep tonight. That was the only worry I had that night was, I don't know if I could sleep. Nonstop through my years, even in my absolute lowest, I have felt my Savior's love. Anytime I felt unworthy of my Savior's love, I felt it again. It is a constant reminder that I'm loved. Every time. It's ridiculous. Um, I have such a great appreciation for him. I used to always use the cop out of, well, I didn't want my savior to suffer for me. You know, felt too much pride about that one. And now it's turned into, 
I'm so happy he did. I'm so happy I have that extra chance that he did that for me. It's just turned into gratitude, and that's what I'm thankful about. I was uh, at an appointment the other day talking a little bit about things, and the gal came up and <clears throat> said, oh, what'd you say? How'd you get clean? And I said, God and his son. Yeah. But the God that I believe in, the God Kit believes in, is all-powerful, um, is our little father, has the power to do anything except when it comes into our lives. We have the power to inhibit his ability with our inaction. He can only work miracles in our lives through faith, and faith is an action verb. You know, I've been in the recovery community for a long time, and at different events and different functions, we'll celebrate certain lengths of sobriety, and I'll hear people, you know, say, oh, I got three years, but, you know, it wasn't anything I did, and, you know, blah, 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 I just listened to people, and my thinking got me nowhere, and I listen to that, and I think, mm, that might not be the best thing to say for the guy that has two days, because three years is a long time, but Kip and I love ourselves, because we yeah. made the choice to allow God and to allow the redeeming, saving power of Jesus Christ come into our lives to transform us. And it was certainly through him that it was done. It's very, it's very interesting. Uh, um, anybody who knew me uh, in high school or any of my friends that knew me when I first started college, uh, <laughs> I would tell you that I was probably the most insecure person there was. Um, so was I. I was so insecure. Now I've got you know, no, I'm problems. <laughs> I'm no, it's like, I have visions of no, all, any, any, all my friends who see this are just giving me like, yeah, it's Kip now. <laughs> he, he's too much. <laughs> well, why aren't you insecure anymore? I have no reason to be insecure anymore. What made you shift from... Definitely, my recovery. Well, if My you, faith. If you, typically, insecurity is based upon... Our worry about others' perceptions of us. What, what, um, how did you stop caring about what other people thought? If I lived my life by worrying day in, day out, that's where my anxiety came from a lot, was if I am living up to the standard that I put upon other people. I expect them, to, I, they had, I always thought they had the standard of me, of who I was, and I needed to live up to that one. I started living up to my own standard. I started knowing that, yeah, I, I'm a good person. I will do what I need to do to help whoever possible. And I'm willing to do it. I care more about me than I do about what others think. I finally had to appreciate my own opinion of myself. That took a long time. That's great, I love it though. I have a lot more happy. <laughs> So you, you want people to like you, but you don't care if they do? I don't care if they do. If you don't like me, that's okay. Because you like you. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely people who don't like me. I get it. <laughs> me too. So Kip has gotten clean, and uh, oh. he, he tries to jump ahead. Well, how many months have you been clean? 18 months. You'll hit 19 months when? Five days. No freebies. 
No freebies. No freebies. Um, Cape Prod's a recovery group for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Program. And it's comprised of people in age range of what? Right now, uh, 20 to 30. You know, I've been to a lot of meetings in my life, and I don't share this opinion alone because some of my older my friends that are my been to it. I've never, I've never been to one quite as special as that one. And you know, I, I look at what's happened from one one man who had had enough and was willing to be open about his addiction and was willing to seek help. And you know, I personally work with a number of these these kids now. And uh, it's just, it's beautiful to see. And they just revere him, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the stuff that we're learning and he's learning and they're learning at such an early age, whether it's codependency or toxic perfectionism or stuff is just, is just invaluable. But what's neat to me is, is to see how God has taken one man who's kind of shifted and the ramifications of that are just exploding how does that how does helping people get clean how does that help you in your recovery helps me stay clean why i love i i love our group so much they're they're all great i love them to death um i finally feel like i am being of a use i'm giving back what heavenly father and what god and jesus christ gave to me which was my life they gave me it back, and I, I, I started one day as I was in church. I used to teach lessons in church, and they told me I could teach whatever I wanted. And I had, I'd been about eight months to a 12-step uh, program of the church we've been going to, and I was like, well, I'm going to teach the first step because that's what I want to do because that sounded like the best idea. And... Uh, the reactions that I got as I taught that were amazing. It was incredible feeling. It wasn't a feeling of pride in myself or look, look how good I am and look how good, how far I've come. No, it was, it was a boast of my God. Look where he's brought me. And it's led to some of the most influential people I've ever met in my life. I, I always thought I was strong in my recovery and then I go to those meetings every Tuesday and I look at them and they're so strong. They're ridiculous. I they always say they always tell me how awesome I am. I just, stop it. <laughs> I just try to get them to stop. I don't need my ego inflated even more. I do that enough for myself. I'm a cooper. <laughs> but for them, they're the true awesome ones. They're they're the reason I keep going. I love being able to share what I have learned. That's what I'll continue to do, too. You know, we've talked a lot about our father and his influence. We probably need to talk about his other half. Oh, Mom. Mom is an angel. Uh, you could ask any one of my friends, and they will agree. Anyone who met Mom. She is an absolute angel. Uh, I, I love her to death. When I first told her I had a problem, <laughs> she she tried to relate to me by saying <laughs> she once had a dream that she cheated on dad. <laughs> She's gonna love this. <laughs> I I immediately 
felt better. Like, it, that worry of first telling mom immediately felt better. She is the most kind, loving person in this world. And true to faith as the baby, I still call her and talk to her about most anything. What role did mom have in helping you get clean? She gave me love when I needed it. It was always there. Um, when I first called her and I first started getting clean, I think I was 20 days. And I said, Mom, I'm 20 days clean. This is when I first really talked to her about it. And her reaction was good, making it to 30. <laughs> and in that moment, it was pure love. That's all I felt. <laughs> I think I went, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Make it to 30. We were in the car coming back from Kohl's. <laughs> like... Yes, mom. Um, she is an absolute angel. and I would do anything for her. You know, when, when we first lost dad, she sometimes would wonder why she <laughs> stayed and dad went. Well, to be honest, he left the stronger of the two. Yeah. And she would always question it. We'd be like, well, you think we'd do any better with dad? Oh, he would have nuts. <laughs> so he would have nuts. Holy gosh. You find pornography young at her house, the man just lose it. There's no talking process and the body's changing. It was just scream, scream. <laughs> but we, we, we truly are. You know, Kip and I are, don't really have, uh, I certainly had trauma happen early on in my life, but it wasn't really connected to my family unit because... Our family unit was as solid as they come. Our parents were as solid as they come. Absolutely. Our community was as solid as they come. Absolutely. And you know, this isn't, this whole thing I'm doing is not by any means just an addiction podcast. It's simply just uh, getting your life back, you know. And But addiction strikes anywhere at any time. And uh, you know, I believe there's genetic predispositions to it, certainly passed on. And then it's typically activated be, be too much stimulation <laughs> or trauma at early ages can, can kick that into effect. But You know, the hardest trauma was the hair loss. I was the youngest of I us. I know. I know. I went through 21. Too. I've tattooed my hairline and it's no longer. I wanted to do that. Well, well, if you guys want to donate, you know, I, I've tried not to make this thing about money, but if you would like to donate to Kip getting his hairline no. tattooed by Tia Wallen, Micro Dot Studios, we won't accept it. <laughs> because he needs to suffer a little bit more because he's doing good, but the, the pride and stuff. Just, it's too much. He, he, needs, too much. he needs to be humbled. <laughs> Kip, what would you say to someone who has been struggling with pornography and is caught in the grips of it and feels like there's no hope and also is terrified about the shame of it. My first reaction would be, I see you. I see it every, every day. The people that I work with, the people that I, the friends in my church, the friends in my community, I see you, I understand. And that I will, always be someone you can reach out to about this because this is it's amazing how prevalent it actually is especially in our college days trying to figure out ourselves you shouldn't be ashamed 
you will feel better once you talk to somebody. You'll feel better once you just say it. It's amazing how much better I felt after I just told Kate. Congratulations. You've probably struggled with something about every single man at one point in his life has struggled with, which is yeah. not, you know, you're not alone. okay, but you're, you're just, you're not alone. You know, the big fear, especially in the single world is, you know, we're looking for our spouses, Kip alluded to, and what if they see this, you know, <clears throat> I did not want to be as transparent as God has had me be in my life. And, you know, in, in my story, I'll explain kind of some of the reasons why, but he's made it clear. And I'm like, you want me to say that? <laughs> oh, that? Like, my mom's not going to like that. And do you want me to say that? And just wait till I get into some of the topics that I feel like I want to discuss. I'm like, oh boy, this is okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in the end, I, 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 I try my best to do what God asked me to. But I've often talked with women when it comes to addiction. And, you know, early on questions were, well, can you, can you stay clean forever? And, you know, my my response now is, well, can you be perfect forever? <laughs> well, if you're expecting perfection, good luck, because the only perfect man most people believe he's probably taken with Mary Magdalene, and he died 2,000 years ago. But what most people really have an issue with is not so much the addiction, it's the dishonesty that tends to accompany any ad addiction. Those that wow. can get honest have a chance to recover. Kip, for most of his life, <laughs> lied about everything, everything, all the time. Constantly. I did not want to tell any of them he about lied, anything lied every, in my life. He lied just to lie about a lie, just to lie. And like, I am very good. He'll at never let me live down lie. of a let me down of never very good. Doors. I'm hard to lie to. You knock doors for twenty years, and everyone lies to you about why they can't <laughs> buy. And then you, when you're a liar forever, and then when you study behavior like I have forever, it's very hard to lie to me. I used to lie about knocking doors and losing out with Kate. God, what's that? I don't want to knock him. <laughs> he, he has this good area. This good area. When you're selling pest control, certain houses are good. If they're brand new, they have money, they're good. And I'm splitting area with him while my buddy is just killing it. And Kip isn't that good of a salesman anyway. And he, it's his first year. So I'm like, did you knock on that house? He's like, yeah, they said no. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Well, they, okay. It, it was one of the home. And I said no. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. No, I think it was, did you not? Anyway, I'm going to go. Both. Uh, it was, did you knock? So I'm like, I'm going to go knock on the door right now and ask him if you knocked. He's like, I didn't knock. I'm, like, I'm going to kill you. How many times have you done this over the three months where this house I would have sold, but I, I thought they've already been talked to. I think you want an accurate number. But back to this, you know, in that situation with you guys, if you're worried about a woman, here's what I would say to the woman that I will marry. This is how I got clean. There are certain things I do every day. I call them dailies. They're a non-negotiable. Um, and they change off and on, depending on what God dictates to me. But whether I'm sad, whether I'm happy, whether I'm tired, it does not matter. They get done. If you're going to take a chance on me, guess who I'm accountable to? I'm accountable to you. And you can ask me anytime, any day, every day, if I've done them, and I will answer you. Here's the ways that you can tell I'm struggling. If my language starts to get pretty colorful, <laughs> if I start to get easily irritated, if I start to get stressed, if my sleep patterns are off, um, if, if my spirituality slips, these are signs, these are warning signs that precede relapses. You have the right to call me out at any time. 
And to realize if I'm slipping, if I'm pretty far in my addiction and struggling, then you call me out, I'll probably say something like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you question me with everything I've been through? How dare you? And you need to be strong enough to say, Cade, you made a promise to me. And you know, I'll probably bring me back. That's the type of woman that Kip and I need. Yeah, he's not wrong. And I won't settle for anything less. So no. you guys that are worried about that, you want that or do you want someone who lies, uses deception, no. three years into the marriage you find out about this alternate life or these addictions they didn't tell you about and it becomes catastrophic. Yeah. Fix your stuff. Only you can do it. There are proven ways to overcome these things. You know what I love about dailies is I can't promise... I'll never promise you I'll be clean the rest of my life. But I'll promise you I'll be clean in this moment. I'll be clean this day. Sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a minute. But I'm going to be clean. That's where, I, that's where my head mindset now goes to whenever I start struggling. Is <laughs> It's funny. Uh, there's a TV show called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, she rolls this crank so John Hamm can watch TV. And she, they don't know why they roll this crank, but she's like, I can do anything for 10 seconds. So she'll roll the crank another 10 seconds. She'll like, I can do it for another 10 seconds. That's so many times I've had to do with my recovery where like, I can last this 10 seconds. I can do this. And it, it's amazing as you build up that tolerance, you feel that strength coming from Heavenly Father, from, from Jesus Christ, from ourselves. Every time you withstand, you get strengthened. You will. And regardless if you believe in them, whatever you believe in, yeah. God will manifest himself to you, even if you believe in nothing. <laughs> if you want to know yeah. about God, if you can say, God, is there a God, and are you God, and will you make yourself known unto me? And if you ask that question, being willing to take on whatever responsibilities that may entail, um, whatever habits you may left behind, he will let you know that He is there. You know, and for me, all that one day at a time stuff is good, but also if I was to relapse, Kip would have more time than me, and that just is never going to happen. Yep. Can't do it. No, I will always have more time. I win. I always win. All I do is win. They wrote a song about it. Have you heard it? All I do is win. It's a song about me. It's about Kate. It's about me. So. <laughs> Hashtag all I do is win, Kate Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is when God starts to humble me, so tomorrow's, tomorrow's going to be fun. You think you're pretty special, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. I, same way, same way. I get too thick-headed, and then it just, it's crashing down. <laughs> I'm grateful to have Kip on here. You know, when I left on my mission, Kip was just a little kid. He was probably the hardest part of me going at the time because he was he was, he was like a little son to me. I'll have you know, I was the most sad for you to leave. Yeah. Well, Mom might dispute that one. But she will probably dispute that one. Of the brothers, I was the most sad. I don't doubt that. I don't think Cole was even sad. Oh, Cole. Yeah. <laughs> he was sad. Well, I'm grateful we had Kip on here today. My guess is this will not be the only time I'll have Kip come on. I will at one point have the five Cooper brothers come on. Um, that will be really entertaining, actually. Yeah. Also, my mother at some point as well. I would be doing the world a great injustice if I didn't introduce you to the woman that uh, 
is our rock. <laughs> the one who put up for five cents. <laughs> yeah. If you like my content, if you like the episode today, I think this is, you know. Yeah, you should. I think this is the 11th one I've done. Um, I, I primarily broadcast this through YouTube. Um, getting your life back with Kay Cooper. Getting without a G. I've also streamed it into audio, so you guys don't have to look in our pretentious clothing. And although you'll miss out on this phenomenal artwork, I did draw this by myself. So I was not classically trained. Free-handed. Took me about 25 minutes. It was one of those things you're just like, yes. He says his son was scared of it. He would every time make a joke of how much he loves this painting. And then t try to scare me with it. So. <laughs> well, he's getting older now, but he's time he wouldn't. But if you like my content, please subscribe to this channel. Share. A, I don't just talk about addiction. I, I, in general, it's it's about trauma. It's about life. You know, I talk about all different facets. I uh, my content's free. I don't have any goals or things that way. I just want this to be whatever God uh, wants it to be. And my prayer is God help it to reach whoever it's meant to reach. And I'm happy with that. So thanks for tuning in today. Grateful to have Kip here. Love you, Kip. Love you, brother. Good to be and here. And we'll see you next time.